Welcome to episode 25 of F Stop, Collaborate, and Listen with host Matt Payne. Today is a special episode. Um, I was able to convince my really great friend and amazing landscape photographer, uh, Kane Engelbert, to come on the podcast. And man, it was just so much fun doing a live podcast um, with someone in the room with you at the same time. Makes a huge difference. So, um, it was a lot of fun, and I think you guys are going to love this one. We we talked about, um, you know, what got Kane into photography, what his kind of background is background is that um, lends itself to uh, being into landscape photography. We talked about uh, achieving artistic vision and um, workshops and, and, and the state of landscape photography in general and social media and, man, pretty much everything you could think of. Um, you know, this week, um, I'm kicking off a new thing. I, I started a, uh, Patreon, um, launched a Patreon account, which is, uh, if you're not familiar with it, it's a way for, uh, you guys as my listeners to help support the podcast. Um, if you could go check it out, there'll be a link in the liner notes. Um, I really appreciate it and I uh, hope you enjoy the podcast this week. Um, as always, feel free to reach out to me on social media. Uh, Matt Payne photo or Matt Payne photography. Thanks. Holy shit. Kane Engelbert. In my house for the podcast, live podcast with Kane. What's up, my man? Literally in your house. <laughs> Literally. How did you manage to get me in here? I don't know. I kidnapped you, like, well, drove you here from Denver. Well, if it wasn't for an accident at the Eisenhower Tunnel, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta admit, uh, doing the podcast with someone in person is totally different, but it is so... I'm so happy to have you here. Obviously... If anyone's ever listened to any of the podcasts, they would know that Kane is um, one of my, um, I don't know, I've always looked up to you, Kane, photographically speaking. Um, I think you have, I don't know, we have similar backgrounds in terms of like how we got into photography. So like, um, I just always connected to your work. So um, thanks so much for being, uh, letting your arm be twisted to be on right. the podcast. Right. Well, I appreciate you having me on here. Absolutely, um, bro. Yeah, it's sort of been a long time coming, trying to, you know, make it happen. And, uh, you know, I guess this is the best way to do it, in your house. So, <laughs> bring it. Oh, bring it. <laughs> well, so, I know that um, that you got into photography similar to me. Um, like, you know, you, you were a mountaineer. So, I, I want to hear about, like, how that transition happened for you and... And because I know you don't climb mountains anymore, really. So, like, no, 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 no. tell me about that that background. Well, and before we start, like, if you want to tell a little bit about yourself for people that may not know you, that'd be cool too. Well, I um got into photography. Uh, it all started probably back early '90s. I was living in Aspen, Colorado, and um, I met my wife there. And uh, at the time, you know, Aspen's sort of a town that um, 
people are very much into being outdoors. And uh, I moved from Houston, Texas to Aspen, Colorado. And um, that was a, a huge uh, transition for me, moving from a, a big city to a small mountain town with lots of amazing scenery. And um, I remember um, two or three weeks into living in Aspen, I had uh, my brother, who I was living with at the time, he, uh, he was, he was kind of getting on me for spending a lot of time in, inside the house, uh, watching TV, um, watching sports, stuff that I was into at the time when I was living in Houston. And he said, uh, you know, what are you doing? You're living in one of the most beautiful places in, 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 all, of, in all of the world. People pay thousands of dollars to fly into Aspen and, and, and see these mountains and then go skiing and you're sitting inside and you're, you're watching basketball, <laughs> right? And so he kind of resonated with me. And um, uh, I decided at that point that I needed to take advantage of the outdoors and um, get outside, start seeing some of this stuff. And, um, and that's, you know, that's kind of when my, my appreciation for the outdoors just sort of, um, sort of uh, started at that point. Um, I started to go skiing a lot. Um, and then I had a friend of mine uh, at the time. He asked me if I wanted to go climb a mountain. You know, let's go climb a 14er. So I didn't know what a 14er was, but you know, heck, I can do that. Um, and um, we, we planned it out and we, uh, he took me up uh, La Plata Peak, which is a big 14er off of Independence Pass. That didn't turn out too well. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I was a little bit over my head in what I took on. I, uh, uh, I remember about 500 feet from the summit, I was uh, asking people if they had an extra pair of gloves um, for me and, and a hat for me. Oh, you're one of those guys? <laughs> I was one of those, man. Oh, no. I didn't have denim on. <laughs> No I did not have denim or no cotton. Blue, no blue jeans? No, I did not have, uh, I was not working the jeans, so the 505s. <laughs> no. <laughs> but um, I did make the summit. It was cold, and um, I, I just, what I, what I got from it, though, was just like this overwhelming, amazing feeling of, you know, hiking to the top of a, of a mountain that's 14,336 feet high, and and coming down and, and just realizing that I actually had made it up there. So that was that was really cool. How old were you then? Um, I'm guessing I was probably around 25. Okay. 24, yeah, 25 nice. years old. I kind of got into the outdoors a little later um, than most people that, that are on your podcast, at least. Right. Um, so after that, I... Um, just started looking into climbing mountains, hiking up mountains. I thought it was just something that really challenged me at the time. And, um, uh, you know, just getting outdoors was, was exhilarating. Um, and of course, you know, when you see your surroundings from high elevations and you start to understand, and from where I was from being from Houston, I just had this feeling that I was seeing stuff that nobody else was seen and it was it was it was a lot of fun and it was uh it was almost addicting at that point just being able to get out and and climb those mountains so um 
I think I started off by doing um, most of the peaks in the Sawatch range, um, followed by, um, uh, I'm trying to think about... What... Probably Sangres, yeah? Well, yeah, I kind of, I mean, over the years, it sort of just morphed into a, a deal where I just immersed myself in certain mountain ranges in Colorado, and um, just, uh, you know, I picked a range out to focus on for a season, and uh, climbed as many of those mountains as I possibly could, and um, did all the Sawatch peaks, and did a bunch of peaks in the Elk Range, um, moved on to the Sangre de Cristos, um, then that's, uh, did some Gore Range, did most, in fact, did all the peaks in the Gore Range. Which all the most 13ers. people don't even know the Gore Range at all, like, that place is so remote, and so just, like, it's the definition of rugged like it's like a bushwhack to get there and then like all the peaks are just like crazy rugged needles yeah the gores are definitely one of my favorite mountain ranges if it's not my favorite it's probably top two um very rugged very remote not a lot of stuff online especially back then there wasn't anything online um and then uh no i a lot of stuff around the uh, West Elk Mountains, around Crested Butte, Kepler Pass area. Um, so yeah, um, the biggest thing that I that I can say about you know the mountaineering experience is every time I went out, I had to have my camera with me. Um, I never ever forgot my camera. There were times where I forgot my boots. <laughs> um, <laughs> I forgot a jacket once or twice, um, not bringing enough food, not carrying enough water, but I always had my camera gear with me. Um, just the, the, the idea, and then the camera gear is, we were talking point and shoots. Right. The Nikon 5400 <laughs> Cool Picks. <laughs> oh, uh, that thing has uh, amazing uh, dynamic range. <laughs> yeah. Five megapixels, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I remember, so, um, back in 2008, I decided to stop playing World of Warcraft, um, <laughs> and, like, because I was gaining a ton of weight, drink, all I was doing was, like, drinking Pepsi and playing video games, and so I was like, fuck all that. I need to lose weight. I need to get back into mountain climbing, because I did mountain climbing when I was a kid, until like my early 20s and then my whole 20s all I did was play video games and so in 2008 I remember going on Summit Post um, which is back then like that's where everyone went to like figure out how to climb various mountains Mm -hmm. and stuff like that and I remember I stumbled across an album that you had that was like Fall Colors West Elks 2009 or something Mm -hmm. like that and it was like the most ridiculously epic scenic fall colors <clears throat> photography I've ever seen, and that's how I that's how I got turned on to your work. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you brought Summit Post up um, <laughs> because I spent a lot of time actually uh, working on Summit Post um, and adding mountains, routes, and stuff like that, um, summitpost.org. Um, you can check it out. Username Kane. All my old stuff is still there. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I think um, my my first 30 
mountains I ever climbed in Colorado were 14,000 foot peaks. And I remember sort of getting tired and bored of, of, of those mountains. And I decided to um, buy a book, an Indian Peaks uh, wilderness book um, from Gary Roach. And um, I decided to go climb my first 13,000 foot peak. And um, that, that was just a fantastic, amazing experience, something that was you know, different at the time. Uh, everybody was just doing 14ers and um, that's when I got into climbing 13ers so um, and then in combining peaks combining the 13ers with the 12ers and that's sort of how I migrated into some of these lesser known areas um, uh, like the West Elks like that um, that album that you, you mentioned earlier um, and uh, that's that's where that's where my heart is, is, is those lesser known areas in, in Colorado. When it comes to mountains, that's where the heart is. It's, it's just an unbelievable experience being away in those, in those lesser known areas, being in that wilderness, um, seeing, seeing places that nobody's ever been to, or at least it feels that way. And, um, no, and a lot of those <clears throat> 12ers and low 13ers, like <clears throat> there's probably only, 10 people that have been to the top of some of those peaks i mean yeah i mean really like there's very few people that climb a lot of those peaks in colorado and i don't know my experience has been with some of those lesser known peaks is like they have some of the most amazing views because you have these ridiculous vantage points of the higher peaks that really no one else gets to see absolutely and that that's that's a that's a good point um I never climbed Long's Peak. That's going to be amazing to anybody that's lived in Colorado and has any kind of idea about climbing mountains. Long's Peak is, it's the big mountain. It's the big 14er in Rocky Mountain National Park. And, um, you know, I'm proud to say that I climbed every single mountain around Long's Peak <laughs> to look at Long's Peak. Yeah, dude. Right? Yeah. Right. I did the Arrowhead. I did McHenry's Peak. I did uh, Chief's Head. Um, all of these mountains, um, uh, the Spearhead, all these beautiful mountains that surround Long's Peak. I just wanted to get up there and have a look at Long's because it's such an amazing, beautiful mountain. So to this day, I've never climbed Long's. <laughs> I'll never will. It's just way out of my league now. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so yeah. I mean, mountaineering has been a big part of my life. Um, I've definitely moved on from it. And um, you know, the connection between photography and mountaineering is is there's a lot of solid connections there. Um, but it's always about taking pictures. I always wanted to document um, somehow document my ascents. And uh, summitpost.org is going to, you know, shows, I, I, I still go back to it and look and refer back to some of those, sh you know, those yeah. trips. It's just crazy. But it's funny, though, because if you look at your photos, because I think this is what's, I think why I've always been drawn to, to your stuff. Like, if I go back and look at my early photography, it was all about documenting my hikes and my, and my, and my climbs. And I think probably the same was for you and then like it took this evolution into like wanting to um 
get more and more into the finer aspects of landscape photography and getting a good composition and getting good light and doing really good processing and stuff like that. And it's, it's interesting to look at like your work from like 10 years ago versus the work you're doing today. And it's completely different. Like the scenes that you shoot, the, 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 the way that you approach the work. But I think there's a lot of parallels to mountain climbing and planning for a mountain climb and planning for a specific shot like in Zion or mm-hmm. or <clears throat> in Candylands or 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 fall colors in Colorado or whatever absolutely um, there is a lot of parallels that I use uh, um, on a daily basis when I'm trying to get out and find the shot that I that I want to shoot um, I think I think a lot of it has to do with just feeling comfortable in the backcountry. Um, I learned how to use a GPS a long time ago. I've relied, my life has relied on GPSs on many, many trips into the backcountry. And topo maps. Yeah, I mean, that's where a lot of us started was the topographic maps, <laughs> right? Um, back then, we didn't have internet. I mean, the internet was actually just starting to get up and going. Um, we had some guidebooks, some very useful guidebooks, incredibly useful guidebooks that um, I still look at occasionally. Um, but yeah, it was topographic. We didn't have Google Earth, right? Uh, which everybody uses Google Earth for good reason. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I think that you know one of the things I want to just just understanding a GPS is is huge. And you know, for those for those out there that are interested in getting into the backcountry understanding how to use it and 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 rely on a gps is um it's critical in in discovering new uh new scenes and um and having confidence in yourself and to be able to read your gps and trust it um even at night um that that was one of the bigger things that i i learned uh and and felt comfortable with uh, when I moved through um, the mountaineering phase in my life, and so I use the GPS today. Um, you know, it's funny that we're talking. I'm talking about the GPS, but just just three weeks ago, I lost my GPS <laughs> <laughs> on Kebler Pass. It fell out my door somewhere. I'd had that thing for 11 years, 12 years, and so here I am getting ready to go out to the desert, and. Uh, I don't have my GPS, so that was the first thing I had to go out and buy, and, and is is buy a new GPS. So I can't go out to shoot photography without a GPS. It's just absolutely uh, critical to um, feeling safe uh, hiking at night um, because that's kind of what we do to get a shot right. You need to stay absolutely. out in those scenes uh, for low light. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, planning has always been planning out. Uh, climbing a mountain translates to planning out taking a shot and um, so how do you how do you pre-visualize some of the some of the imagery that that you have like because because I know that's one thing that that I think I've picked up from you and some other photographers over the years is like like it's almost more important to spend that time pre-planning like where's the sun coming up where's the Mm -hmm. sun gonna set um like all those things so like what is what is your process for ensuring that like 
everything aligns to the vision that you have for the for the photo well um like most people i've sort of latched on to technology i'm definitely using google earth um the photo pills thing is is huge understanding where the sun is coming up and where it's going down at what angle um those are all amazing tools um i think experience uh, just being out over the years just getting outdoors and 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 making a habit of it and staying outdoors is definitely assisted assisted there um so so yeah i mean there's there's a lot of different things that assist in pre-visualizing things i'm reconning i don't i during the day i like to drive to a shot and i like to go hike out to what i'm interested in shooting i like to see there's i think it's a lot more comfortable to go out on a recon hike check out the lay of the land understand where the sun is going to be dropping there's nothing worse than running around like a complete idiot trying to get the shot and you don't get the shot no, i think I've we've had, all been there right? oh i've done that so many times right <laughs> um and it's yeah i mean then of course it's even worse than when there's other people around you and they're watching you run around like a complete idiot. <laughs> but yeah, reconning is, is, is super key. I've heard a few of your past guests talk about that, and I'm a big believer in getting out to the shot beforehand and uh, studying studying what's going to happen. And uh, usually you'll, you'll end up with something good if you, if you get out a little bit early. For sure. Yeah. So we've known each other for a few years now. Like, we've gone out shooting i don't know like four or five times together like hunts mesa a couple times in oregon mm-hmm. uh fall colors a couple times so we've had probably hours and hours and hours and hours of conversations that probably would have been ripe for the podcast but i don't one thing that i don't think we've ever talked about is like that i've always wanted to ask you and i don't know why i never have is why do you why do you do this like why do you i mean you spend so much of your time planning traveling like prepping um and and you have this amazing like diverse gallery of images like what drives you to do this um (laughs) i've been thinking about that a lot i had a feeling you would ask me that um i am I'm still discovering that. I, I think that I'm, I'm discovering it because I'm changing. I'm 47 years old. Um, the reasons why I was doing it earlier are different than why I'm doing it now. And I'm trying to kind of come up with a common denominator. Like why? What is it? What keeps me going? Because I'm not doing those big, huge hikes anymore. Um, and, but I still really love photography. And ultimately, it comes down to being outdoors. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to, for me, uh, it comes down to a challenge of of making something that making something happen that I had a vision for, and the planning piece going out, executing the shot, um, being out in nature by myself, um, overcoming obstacles, and um, understanding the weather, learning the weather, 
um, all of it just sort of it, it turns into it, it just it just feels awesome um, the, the, the the end product the end the finish the finish line for me is always creating a memory um, something that I can latch on to for the rest of my life instead of you know and every you know watching TV every day sure you know it's just sort of um, I don't know it's 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 a challenge for me and I want to be able to uh, overcome that challenge and um, um, just you know sometimes the drive back home is just as fulfilling as is is getting out and, and doing it uh, for me you know the drive back home is sort of like wow that was amazing how cool was that and it's just a memory that I have forever that I can always refer back to um, so yeah I mean that's kind of I'm still trying to figure it out and it's constantly <laughs> changing it's constantly changing but if I had to like narrow it down to a few different things that would be it yeah you know I have out of anyone else I've had on the podcast you're an interesting guest for me because um, I've had the the opportunity to be out with you so many different times to observe like your approach to photography which is um I would say it's quite a bit different than my own personal approach to like getting a shot like you you're super meticulous about your composition like that I've learned so much just observing you like I don't even need to like listen to you talk or like or like show me things I just watch you do things I'm like wow I would have never thought to include that thing in the composition or position my camera a certain way and like to me when I see you in the field like it's like kind of like what you're saying like you're like unpackaging this puzzle piece and and trying to put it back together in a way that's like like meshing with your vision and it's it's fun to watch, man. Like, <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I'm not so sure. I mean, I think sometimes when I'm out with other people, uh, at least in the past, and I think I'm changing, but I, I can be kind of intense um, about just being in the scene and, and trying to find the, the shot. Um, I will say that everything, I'm self-taught. Yeah, me too. Um, we're all, you know, self For the most part, I mean. <laughs> um, right. And it's taken me a long time to understand composition. And, um, you know, a lot of my earlier stuff, I, you know, just I've heard some of your podcasts, you refer back to your earlier stuff, and we're just amazed that, wow, that was some really crappy composition. <laughs> right. Right? I mean, the whole right side of that image is there's absolutely nothing. Um, so, um, <laughs> it's just... Yeah, I mean, it's taken a long time to get there. Um, I've had a lot of people assist me in getting there. Um, and uh, um, just, I think it's probably been maybe a year and a half, maybe two years ago, I really started to understand lighting and how important light is to an image. Um, it's, it's, it sets everything uh, composition in my opinion composition is number one lighting is number two and lighting sets everything up in post-processing and if you can get strong composition 
strong lighting, that's when post-processing actually becomes easier. Post-processing is a huge part of what we do, there's no doubt. But it took me a long time, Matt. It took me, a, I mean, probably 10, 10, 15 years to understand both of those concepts. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm pretty focused when I'm out there, but I'm trying to chill out a little bit. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's just kind of the, the few elements that I think are critical and it doesn't, you just don't learn it overnight. No, I agree. Like, I think that's what's fun about going out with other people that have been doing it longer. Like I start seeing things that I never would have seen before. I think kind of what you're saying, two, three, four years ago, I would just go out and like look for something that I thought looked good. Like, and sometimes mm -hmm. what looked good in my mind was actually a good composition with good light. But oftentimes it wasn't like, um, planned. It wasn't intentional. It just worked out. Um, right. And now when I'm out, I find myself more and more focusing on finding those elements yes, versus like just hoping that they'll be there. Right. Um, and it's, it's interesting though. Like that takes years and years. Like to me, I'm just starting to see that stuff for the first time. Um, mm. whereas, you know, like I said, a couple of years ago, never would have seen it. Um, so that's, yeah. I think that's the journey. That's the fun journey that the landscape photography, um, takes us on. I, I, that, at least for me, like, that's, what's fun about it is like, I look back last year and the year before and the year before that, and I, I can see a steady, slow, but steady yeah. incline incline of like, okay, right. the work is getting better. Like, it's not, it's not where I think it should be after doing it right. for, you know, like, I guess five, six years now, but um, yeah, having the motivation to, to get better is, is key. I mean, that's what all of, all of these amazing photographers that are on your podcast. It, I certainly think there's something that we have in common and, you know, we're motivated. We're motivated by the beauty of the landscape and how we want to convey that to friends and family and how we want to convey it to ourselves um, and it is, it takes a long time. And, uh, um, it, you know, from the first time you pick up a wide angle lens, you, you know, it's, it's like you want to just shoot wide angle stuff <laughs> for like three years straight. And then oh, you realize, Hey, look at the mountain. <laughs> that mountain is about the size, you know, it's, you can't right. even see the mountain, but boy, that, that log up front is beautiful. <laughs> so, and then, you know, you sort of migrate into like the zoom stuff. That's, that's where, I don't know. That's where I'm at right now. I'm in, I'm into zoom, um, scenes, um, small scenes, finding the scenes. I liked what you said earlier about finding looking for it, slowing down, look at your landscape. And often in this giant scene, often you're going to see something in there um, that, that, that resonates to you, that feels good to you. Um, if you can just slow down and, um, and, and take that time to find it, follow the light. You know, I've heard David Thompson talk about it. You got to follow the light. It doesn't matter. There's so, been so many times where I've gone to shoot this big giant grand vista. And then I'm out there and I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. But the light is only like half of the scene. Well, forget about the Grand Vista. Zoom in where the light is. 
and see if there's something in there that that would look good, you know, blown up, right? You know, uh, you know, on on your computer, and it's just so much stuff out there, right? It's so much stuff. Funny when you and I went out um, this what was like four weeks ago when we were out shooting fall colors. We we got up in the morning and it was like super foggy out and like you know. Is that when I started drinking beer? <laughs> Nine in the morning or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. But you were, you were like, Matt, time to put your creative hat on. Like, Did I say that? Yeah. You yeah. were like, you can't uh, just get your wide angle out and shoot the Grand Vista. Like, you're going to have to get the telephone. I'm going to climb a mountain. <laughs> but, and it's true, though. Like, you have, to, you have to, your brain has to switch. Like, you have to look for the light. You have to follow, like, early on, not early on, I would say probably for um three or four years of my photographic journey i found myself getting frustrated over and over and over again because there'd be no clouds or Mm -hmm. there'd be too many clouds or like the light would suck or whatever and unfortunately like i didn't take those opportunities to like like you say slow down Mm -hmm. look around and wow, maybe there is actually something that would look interesting in that cloudy, diffused light. Mm -hmm. Maybe there is something that would look interesting in a bluebird day, like through a different scene or a different angle. Or, And I feel like when you're chasing trophies or when you're chasing vistas or whatever, you lose sight of what actually makes a good photograph. Absolutely. (laughs) At least I did for years. Absolutely. I mean, I mean... We can go on and on about this this subject, but I mean a good example is just, um, you know, a Mesa Arch shot. You know, you go shoot Mesa Arch. Everybody's lined up with their tripod and their zoom lens, and they they want that that same comp. And um, you know, just just twenty feet. Uh, it's more like fifty feet off to the right. I just hiked up the side of the hill, and I had this amazing like weathered weathered old tree with the fog in the background looking out over the canyon while everybody was off to my left and it's one of my favorite shots to this day and it's just it doesn't have to be what you went for it it just has to be something that that feels good and you got to look for it you you know you definitely need to look for it um but but yeah you know I, i hear you Absolutely. Yeah. Good so stuff. one of the uh, other things I wanted to kind of talk to you about, because I think it's something that that you and I have in common. Um, you know, you have a family. You have a wife. Mm-hmm. You have what, two daughters, right? Two daughters and a 12-year-old boy. And Absolutely. a 12-year-old boy. Yeah. And I've got a almost 10-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. And I have a wife. And so, like, you know trying to find the time and and whatnot mm-hmm. to actually get out and do this passion of ours can yeah. be a challenge so I'm curious like how do you how do you find the time and energy to be able to go out and do this well I, I mean this is a it's a great <laughs> question Matt I told you we weren't gonna talk about this stuff now <laughs> don't bring my family into it um <clears throat> I think, you know, I don't really have an answer, a, a right answer for that. 
Um, it's, you know, when I combine the, the mountain climbing with the photography, it's something I've been doing for 20 years. And uh, it, it's just actually 25 years almost. Um, so, you know, the reasons why I was doing what I was doing 25 years ago are different than the reasons why I do it now. Um, and the reason, you know, some of the reasons that I was getting outdoors um, a lot um, in, in my younger years were not exactly the best reasons for, for getting out. They were more like I just wanted to get out. That was something I wanted to do. Um, so uh, in these days, I have um, actually have support from my family and my family wants me to get out. They like to see me get out. They like to, um, they know what it does for me. Um, but, um, yeah, I think there's a, there's a balance. There's a balance there. I think that, um, I've, you know, you sort of whomever, you know, if your your family, they've known I've always loved the outdoors and that's, you know, my wife has been very, generous and allowing me and wanting me to get out and enjoy the outdoors. They know that's kind of who I am and, and um, sort of what drives me in, in life is um, um, being outdoors. Um, it's, it's, it's just essential to me. Um, but there's also um, that point where it's easy to um, get sort of sucked into uh, an addiction. Um, if I, you know, I've thought about this for years and years and years, and um, I do feel that, um, you know, whatever the reasons are that people get out, um, sometimes there's a sort of a, I don't know, do I want to say selfish kind of, it's like I've got to get out. Uh, it's time for me to get out, and sometimes it's not the right time to get out. So it's just a balance of understanding when the right time is and, um, um, and, and, and doing it. So yeah, I mean, it's, it depends on your relationship with, with, with your family and, and, uh, so mm -hmm. I agree with all that. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I don't, I don't know. One of the things that, um, like I don't usually, uh, get like negative on the podcast but one of the things that like i found myself doing for years and i don't do it really anymore but i found myself always like you know i'd look at people online or facebook or whatever and they'd be posting like photos like oh this week i'm in iceland and oh this week i'm in alaska and oh this week i'm in the mm -hmm. desert southwest and this week i'm in maine shooting the milky way and and like <laughs> right. it's like what do you do anything else other than photography like do you mm -hmm. just have like millions of dollars like stored away so right. do you did you ever find yourself comparing yourself to other photographers and wishing that you could be out as much as they are sure <laughs> absolutely <laughs> Um, for those of us that are motivated to be outdoors and to take great pictures, why wouldn't it cross your mind, you know, and, and have some kind of, try to stay away from the resentment, you yep. know, um, and it kind of goes back to something I was talking about earlier in the challenge, uh, the, well, is it the challenge? I, 
yeah, the challenge to do something as good as somebody else right. and maybe do it better than somebody else and know that you can if you just get out more. Right. Uh, I just got to keep going out. I got to keep going out. And um, sometimes um, I know with me, um, there were times where I was going out too much. I, I wouldn't have said it at the time. I'm not going out too much. My reasoning was always... My reasoning was always, hey, I'm not going out to the bars. I'm not getting right. drunk. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm home all the time. And when I'm home, I'm, I'm a great dad. And, but the, yeah, absolutely. You, you just, sometimes you just want to get out and, and keep up, you know, keep, keep up with other people and right. what they're doing. Um, it's not the right reasons. Uh, it's certainly not the right reason. But I think there has been times in my path, in my journey, where um, I didn't have a little bit in that, uh, a little bit of that in me, right? Um, to compete, I guess, so to speak. Um, but it's, um, I always, yeah. for me, like it's like a little, it's like a demon. <laughs> yeah, it is. Because it's, um, it's not an, it's it's not an appealing side of myself that. Every once in a while, it crops back up. Like I'll be, you know, I'll be um, on social media or Insta, you know, whatever, and I'll be like, God, I mean, that, that person, like they're always out, they're always crushing it, whatever. And then I just have to remind myself, like, this isn't a competition. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> um, no, 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 no. Like, there's always going to be someone who has more time, is better than you, has better gear than you. Um, has better vision than you, whatever. Like, it's not about that. Like, you have to focus, for me anyway, focus on why you do it. Like, it's not about competing with other people. It's about what are you getting out of the experience? Like, and has nothing to do with anyone else. I just have to constantly remind myself. I think that's, absolutely. Um, That's easier said than done. For sure. Especially, um, at least for me, in my younger years, um, that was something I would never, it didn't really cross my mind too much. Um, but now as the years have moved by and, um, I, I very much understand that it's, it should be about your connection with nature and, and how, how you want to convey nature to yourself and to others, uh, with the, with the camera. Um, yeah, and I'm still like I said earlier. I'm just I'm discovering that right now. I mean, you know, I, I like how you say that as I'm getting ready to go out on a two week trip. <laughs> <laughs> my my wife actually kicked me out of the house. Right, she was like, "Go, you get need to go." Here. She's like, "You get it's time. You need to go to the desert, dude." So <laughs> I'm like, "I'm I'm out. I'm going to the desert. I love myself some desert." Absolutely. So so yeah. I think. That's a good segue into another topic that I wanted to talk to you about. Um, and um, I think, you know, we talked a little bit about before the podcast. And I, I shared um, the letter uh, that I got from Eric Stenslin um, and kind of shared with you what he had sent me on, on, a, on a USB drive about wanting to create a um, movement mm-hmm. and a consensus, I guess... <clears throat> Establishing best practices for landscape photographers around 
how to approach the environment as a landscape photographer mm -hmm. because and I, I'm sure you've noticed this having done it for many many years that as time goes on and as as these locations become more and more popular you can visibly start seeing the impact of the popularization of these locations and of landscape photography in general mm -hmm. and to me like it's not a sustainable thing long term especially as workshops continue to grow in popularity and more and more people are having paying people to take them to locations that they want to see or, or photograph so I'm just curious about um, what your thoughts are in terms of what we can do as landscape photographers as a brotherhood or sisterhood mm -hmm. to make sure that these locations and um, are, are kept pristine and also that the impact of what we do is minimized. Right. Well, for starters, um, I think we can stop sharing locations. Um, <laughs> I am not... That's harder said than done, though. I mean, well, just I, for this trip alone, you said you got a location from a friend of yours, which I know... Right. We can stop sharing locations on, on social media. There you go. Um, and absolutely, I do have a few very close friends that I respect, and um, I would hope to believe that they respect me and trust me. And uh, we do share locations, um, but it's not often. It's really, really not often. Um, so sharing locations, I've just never been a big fan of it. Um, I do, I mean, you know, I do a lot of, um, I would, uh, for the podcast purposes, I'll call it Anasazi Ruins Photography. Um, <laughs> it's not what it needs to be called. It should be called Pabloan Ruins. <laughs> um, however, um, you know, those, those are the kinds of sacred places that just, you know, we need to discover on ourselves, uh, by ourselves. And I'm a big believer in challenging people to, to get online. I mean, the stuff that we were discovering before internet, you know, we were motivated to figure it out and we figured it out without the internet. And, um, I see no reason why people that are highly motivated, I want the people that are motivated to figure things out. You know, if they're motivated, they're motivated. You know, obviously there's different reasons to be motivated, but you know, a lot of them love being outdoors. And so, um, I just challenge people to, so do you, do you think that if someone is motivated enough to do their own research that they're less likely to, um, do something to damage a location? Uh, not necessarily, not necessarily. I, uh, in terms of damage, I mean, what is that? Or what do you trample mean? Trample it, or you know, like I don't know, like if you look at Mossy Grotto, mm -hmm. in like, well, now it's probably burned, but back when you and I shot Mossy Grotto, like we were kind of surprised at how like trampled the mm -hmm. ferns were and stuff like that, like well, which is something you and I probably would never <clears throat> do, but like you know, there's people out there that you know they don't have the same. You've had a you've had a few amazing photographers on your podcast that speak to being stewards of the land, and I, I you know, I don't know if I'm going to bring anything new uh, <laughs> to this kind of thought process, but I can tell you that I am a believer in whom I'm with or whoever I speak to. Uh, leave leave 
leave your space in better condition than when you arrived. And, and that's just sort of something I've been trying to instill in my, my kids. Um, but I mean, I don't know. Is that kind of what you're, I, I don't know. I mean, well, I mean, you said be, that one thing we can do collectively, I guess that's more of what I'm kind of aiming for is like collectively as landscape photographers, one thing we could do is stop sharing locations. Mm -hmm. Like, do you think there's any merit in the idea of people um, agreeing on a set of best Absolutely. practices? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think there's such a massive landscape photography movement that there needs to be some kind of set of best practices. I, I'm all, I, would, I would fully back something like that. Um, absolutely um i think it would gain traction quickly i think it depends on obviously it depends on who's sort of spearheading that effort and if it's just one or if it's collectively if it's a group of individuals but i would 110 percent be behind it um i i think it's i think landscape photography is ripe for something like that it's time for you know like i said the movement we all know I mean, how I've many seen landscapers it. there are now? I've seen it with my own Saturated eyes. Saturated market. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, I'm 100% behind that idea. All right, I think it's amazing. Me too. Like when I when Eric Stenzlin sent me that information, I was like, "That well, is brilliant." Yeah, and who better? Yeah, I mean, Eric is a incredibly gracious person and incredibly articulate and. Uh, he loves he loves nature as as much as anybody I've ever met in my life, no doubt. Um, but yeah, people like that uh, are the ones that that um, certainly can you know get something out there. And right. when it happens, if you know people that are thinking about it, let me know. I'm yeah. down. I'm I'm totally down with that. And I, I guarantee you, virtually everybody on your podcast would be down with something like that. It's a great idea. Cool. Yeah. So, um, all right. So I think, you know, you've listened to a few podcasts. So one of the questions I always ask is, um, what advice would you have for other landscape photographers relating to the title of the podcast, which is about mm. collaborating and listening? Yeah. Yeah, um, I think my spin on that title is uh, more in line with the, the listening piece. Um, and I, I come from, you know, being self-taught means that it doesn't mean that I've figured everything out on my own. <laughs> it means that I've listened to a lot of people and I've asked and, and reached out to a lot of amazing photographers for advice. And um, I, I'm one of those people that I believe in um, other people's ideas. Um, they don't necessarily have, I don't have to actually, you know, buy into their idea or execute their idea, but I'm all up for ideas. And that's how I take any kind of critique on any kind of image that I have, um, regardless if it's somebody that says, hey, you know, you know, it needs to be brighter over here. This is awful. Or, or if it's someone that's more, you know, is, is, is easier about it and, and says it in the right tone and, and that sort of thing. I, to me, 
I just take it as an idea. If I like the idea, I'll go with it. If I don't, I'll move on. And <laughs> I've just sort of kind of, it's one of the ways, it's sort of, maybe it's a defense mechanism from back in the old days, from the NPN days when we used to just like batter each other with, with critique. But it's, I think it's important to listen. Your white to, balance is off by two one hundredths. <laughs> right, right, absolutely. Um, so I think it's I think it's really important to listen to other people and not and and not, don't take it don't take too personal. We all know what we're doing and why we're doing it. And um, I I just I have so many people that I owe a lot to. And um, uh, without without those 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 folks uh, those photographers I I don't I know I wouldn't be where I'm at. And that's just because. I would always reach out and, and listen to what they would recommend to me. Yeah, I highly, I highly believe in critique. I, I've got a few guys that I talk to, um, social media, uh, behind the scenes, and we 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 send our images to one another, and and uh, we get good. I, I get amazing ideas. Well, from shit, this just tonight I was showing you a bunch of stuff I shot, and you gave me all kinds of really great pointers like that. I would have never thought of doing myself and it was some of it was like really minor but it made a huge impact you know there, i think there's you know the, <laughs> there's a lot of people there's a lot of people in social media that want to that want to see your stuff before you release it yeah you know they want to see it and they would love to just have a look at it and it's if hard to do that online though i feel like harder than like what we did like that took two seconds you're like oh just uh, go right up here on the curves and just dip it down just yeah. a tiny bit, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but I think I think there's a lot of people that there's a lot of guys that, guys and girls out there that want to do that want to get into that tech that processing technical stuff. Sure. And I like it when someone sends me something because it helps me articulate the processing piece, right? You know, and how to articulate it. And um, I need that, you know, especially if I ever want to teach. Um, so. Being able to bounce ideas off of one another, I think, is is very very important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, you get to be um, the first victim of mm. one of my new questions. Oh. <laughs> wow. Blindside. It's not hard enough. So my my question, my new question, um, is, um, and some people aren't gonna like this question, but I have a reason why I'm asking it. What's like? What one piece of gear or equipment or whatever would you never, ever not take with you? Like, what is something that you always have to have with you when you go take photos? It could be, it could be a lens that you have. <laughs> Matt, go. we're going to talk about gear? Maybe just a little. You know, okay. Just a little bit. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> okay. It, doesn't um, even, it could be a GPS. It could be, like, your favorite blanket that your wife made for I, you? I gotta have? Like you essential? gotta have. You gotta have it. It's Besides a camera? It could be your camera. It could be... If I went out? Anything. Uh, it'd have to be my camera. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, that's kind of a... Uh, Alright, yeah. Love my camera when I'm out. So, uh, you're the Canon 5DSR? I am. Okay. I like Canon. I do. But you've shot Nikon before. Oh yeah, yeah, 
I've sort of moved through all the Nikon gear, and I've been shooting Canon for about five years now. All Just right. like it. Okay. Yeah. Like the color. Like the native color. Yeah, I've heard that from Native color is good. All right. Well, um, thanks for your... I just have to have my camera. Yeah, I'm not going to give you anything. I, was, I thought you were going to say your beer cooler. Well, that's true. <laughs> beer is good. <laughs> Those that know me. <laughs> Those that know me know that's sort of like, you know, got to have that in the truck. Absolutely. No doubt. Celebrate. Celebrate an awesome day out in the wilderness. Or a terrible day, like getting your car towed out Are you going to ask me about who I want to hear? I'm good, of course. So well, Hopefully who you... that last question didn't eliminate. No. Go ahead. Who... who... <laughs> <laughs> Who do you want to hear on the podcast, Kane? Jack Brower! Yes. Oh my gosh. I know, me too. The mountain man himself. I would love to have Jack Brower. I just... Dude is... Uh, Inspiring. Oh my gosh. If, if you guys have not seen Jack Brower stuff, I don't... If there's anybody out there that's been hiking and climbing mountains and, 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 and traveling and seen um, um, the most amazing places on earth that is doing it more than he is... And he has done it for so many years. I'm sure there are people out there. I get that. I want to know who those people are, too. Exactly. Right? <laughs> exactly. Um, I've known, I, just, I don't know of anyone. I've known Jack. I don't know him on a highly personal level, but I've, I've, I've been on hikes with him in the past. And he's, he's the guy that, you know, eight years ago taught me how to exposure blend. I was like, oh, my God. I mean, this guy, he is just an amazing photographer. He is... Uh, He's, he's the man. Um, Eric Stenslin, we've heard a lot about him lately. Um, he is just uh, somebody that definitely needs He'd bring a lot to your podcast, no doubt. Um, I think it's uh, um, Pari. Is it Pari Shalit? Yeah. Pari Shalit. That's somebody that I know you've reached out to. A couple times. But I'm just saying. Are you just saying, nudging her again here on the I'm podcast? I'm kind of nudging her. I, I think... She's got some sick, sick processing. Well, she, I everything, mean, yeah. everything. It's it's every the full shot, package. For every sure. shot, and of course, you know, Sarah Marino. She needs to be on here. So when I was in Ridgeway, <laughs> just, just saying. No, when I was in Ridgeway uh, last month, uh, you know, she hosted that get together. Yeah. Um, I she made a promise to me that we would do it maybe yeah. this winter in person. Yeah, kind of like this. More fun, you know. You get to drink a beer, you get to see body language. Absolutely. Um, you you know when you ask a question that someone doesn't like. <laughs> oh, well, I get it. It only took me how long to come to your podcast. You were the podcast? first person I asked, <laughs> and it's only what episode twenty five right? or whatever. So yeah, it's cool though. So it's way better in person. Four months. It's been fun for sure. Six months, and so, then uh, one. Oh, you have another one. Who was it? Uh I had somebody else, but I've just completely dropped it. There's about 20 of them, but I won't right. go there. Well, they're probably already on my list. I'll show you my yeah, list. Exactly. Okay. So, anything else we didn't talk about that you wanted to bring up? No, I think I'm good. You're good? Yeah, I enjoyed that. All right, well, here's a fist bump. Yep. Thanks for being on the podcast, yep. bro. I appreciate, appreciate it. it.